Welcome to the Open Door Real Estate Podcast, where we will be opening the doors to the minds of those who own, you got it, multiple doors, and all professionals in relation. Today's podcast is brought to you by Barnett Capital, working with equity partners to create wealth through multifamily real estate. Let us do the work while you enjoy the returns. Today's host is the one and only Matt Barnett. Get ready to open your mind because we are about to do so to those who own multiple doors. Welcome to another episode of the Open Door Real Estate Podcast. Today, we have, I would consider an amazing guest, Mr. Adrian Salazar. Adrian, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to be on here. Thanks, man. Um, I'm pumped. For those, I guess, listening or watching that may not know who Adrian is for some odd reason, let me break it down. He's, he did send me a bio, and Jesus, man, it's long, so I got I to be quick here. Adrian graduated from the University of Texas at San Antonio with a bachelor's in construction science management and a minor in business administration. So following, Adrian is a full-time real estate investor who currently controls over $8.8 million in multifamily assets. He is the founder of Optimum Buyers, in which from 2014 to 2017 has closed and funded 60-plus single-family deals. And then from 2017 to current, has closed and funded roughly 150-plus multi-family units. And on top of that, Adrian is the co-founder of Homely Escape, which is a short-term rental company as well, and also co-founder of 210 Management, where they oversee interior and exterior CapEx renovations, they monitor budgets, resident management, and overall help execute the company's business plan and vision for each property. And I'm being generous with that short bio. (laughs) (laughs) So you're absolutely killing it, man. And just to, just to put it out there, you're 25, right? Yeah, 25. So definitely a young mover and shaker in the industry, making it happen. Um, do you ever plan, before we get into everything, being so sure. young and getting so far into the business so early, do you ever plan on retiring or is it just kind of natural and you're just going to continue to, you could be chilling and you're wherever you're going to, you want to be and you could be scuba diving and pop up and they're like, Hey, we got a deal. Ooh. Hey, we got a deal. And you're like, sure, whatever, man. Like, never. I, I wouldn't really say like retire. I think it's just a different set of activities that you start doing later on, right? I mean, you know, in the beginning, you start doing some day to day boots on the ground, like sweat equity type of work. And then you slowly start getting to, to get doing more higher effective tasks, right? So, I mean, retiring, no, because I'm always, I love real estate. I do this naturally, like you said. So I don't, I don't ever see myself retiring and stopping from working now. <laughs> yeah, and that's awesome. And congratulations. As of the time of this recording, you have an 88-unit closing coming up in, what, two weeks now? A couple weeks, and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm wholesaling on a deal right now. That's awesome. Uh, and so, yeah. So let's, let's – uh, you want to talk a little bit about that deal before we dig into everything else, if you want? Yeah, which one? That 88-unit? Yeah, so – it's an 88-unit apartment complex located in McAllen, Texas. Uh, interesting story. Two years ago, we first got the lead, me and my business partner. Uh, we, we 
cold call and get in contact with owners all the time. So that's the way we found it. Um, we went out there to go take a look at it. It was 80% occupied at the time. So, you know, we couldn't really do much. We couldn't make the numbers work. The loan just, you know, we'd have to get a bridge loan. It wasn't working. The, mm -hmm. the numbers weren't panning out. So we followed up about eight months ago to see how things were going and still 80% occupied, um, you know, 20 units vacant. And so me and my partner were like, dude, we got to do something about this. Right. I mean, you know, if someone's, if someone's, um, you know, looking at this deal, they're, they're going to see the same thing as us, but how can we make it work? Right. So we talked to the owner and we negotiated for us to actually implement our own property management systems in there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, we agreed that if we were to raise all the, uh, the occupancy over 90%, we'd go under contract. So, uh, signed it and we, I went in there with like three or four contractors. I went in there with them, three, four cleaning ladies. I went in there with you know, leasing agents and we rented about 12 units in a week. Uh, we went over occupancy and we, we went under contract. So um, mm -hmm. we're going to be buying it for $5.4 million. We're getting a Fannie Mae debt and um, we just got the appraisal in actually it's at 6.1 million. So there's oh. $100,000 of equity. Dude, perfect. So day one, our net worths are going to go up through the roof. Um, and yeah, so we're going to renovate about 65 units. Uh, leave a little bit of meat on the bone for the next buyer. We're going to mm -hmm. implement property management systems. Uh, we're going to spend about 5000 per unit. We're going to renovate all exteriors. We're going to implement dog parks, soccer, speed soccer, sports arenas. It's going to be cool. So, man, that's how, what class property is that? It's a class C in a class B location. So, nice. we're gonna, uh, it's going to end up being a B. I was going to say, with everything you're doing to it, it's no longer a C anyways. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so, I just want to talk just cover that deal a little bit, but I want to jump, I'm going to go all the way back, way back in time, all the way back to the start. Cause you went from single family to multifamily, but I want to go beyond that. How did you even get into real estate from the start? And I think it said you were like 17 at the time. So you've been in the game, but how did you make that transition all the way from the beginning? Yeah, good question. So, um, I, I'm from McAllen. I grew up here 17 years and moved to UTSA to study construction. And in that meantime, in that transition between here and San Antonio, I got introduced to a direct level, direct multi-level marketing company. It, I was selling health and wellness products. And, you know, all those mentors there, you know, introduced me to the books, right? The Think and Grow Rich, the magic of thinking big, how to win friends and influence people, you know, all those books that, you know, really affected my way of life, right? In, in a positive way. And so I started developing this mindset that, you know, I could, I could literally do whatever I set my mind to, right? And, and I could grow a company, you know, very, very big and, and, and get cash flow and, you know, retire, right? And so I started really, you know, developing this mindset that I could kind of do whatever I wanted. And I, I went and actually uh, went to a seminar in Vegas, got introduced to Darren Hardy, Eric Thomas. I mean, I started seeing all these people when I was 16, 17 years old. So, um, you know, long story short, that company went out of business and from, you know, overnight I went from making $5,000 a month in that company. I had an organization of about 800 people all over the world. Um, and overnight literally to zero. So everyone left overnight, the company got accused of some, some crap. And so I started saying, all right, what's the, what's the other way, right? What's another way. And so I was on Facebook one day and I saw an ad that uh, rich dad, poor dad, Robert Kiyosaki was going to be in, in San Antonio. And so I was like, dude, I know that guy like from, from the reading. Right. And so I uh, went to the event. All they were talking about was pre foreclosures, you know, vacant houses, wholesaling, you know, fix and flipping. They were just talking about a bunch of real estate stuff. And I said, Hey, like this sounds pretty cool. 
And so at the end of the, at that, at the end of that seminar, they, uh, the speaker up front asked, uh, who in this room has done, you know, five deals and a couple of people raised their hand. And then he said, who in this room has done 20 or more, you know, a couple of people raised their hand. And, and he said, for those of y'all getting started, go meet them, go shake their hand and see how you can provide value. That's exactly what I did. They told me to go to a RIA. I signed up for the RIA and I met my mentor. Um, and then I, my mentor and I sat over coffee and he gave me some things to do, some houses to door knock, some flyers to put, some cold calls to make. I did it all and went back, dude. And he saw so much value in me that he uh, ended up kind of hiring me and I hired me for free. I worked for free for a year and a half, uh, before I did my first deal. And so that's kind of how I got started. Um, but it was, it has a lot to do with the mentality, mentality that I had and the, the personal development that I had been doing at first to be able to be, you know, to have that third eye to, to be able to see an opportunity that not a lot, of, not a lot of other people see. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's funny when I would say when people start to wake up in life and get that entrepreneurial spirit and everything, I think it's, it's funny that you mentioned the MLM thing. Cause I feel like starting off, a lot of us don't know what direction to go to. And we do, I was in MLM too. It was for crypto, uh, Forex or whatever. Cool. And, uh, it's funny because so many people talk down on it and it's not necessarily the, the MLM itself that'll get you to the next level, but it's the like-minded individuals and everyone that you're surrounded with. And like they gave, gave you those books to read and you grew that mentality that you can take to the next level. And obviously you you through that, I mean, technically you found your mentor and everything. Like it's crazy how it works. So it's not even technically the business that got you to where you are today. It's the people you met throughout that, that had the like mind. So that's awesome. Um, your Instagram, I always watch all your stories and everything. It's awesome because you cold call and you'll do cold calls right on your Instagram stories, tour deals, whole nine yards and everything. Let's, what is like a, actually, let's not start with the process. Let's, let's go straight to cold calling. Yeah. Um, you do off market, right? Yeah. Mostly before we get into actually cold calling, what are some off market strategies that you're doing or sure. utilizing? So nothing special at all, really nothing special. Um, this, this deal that I was telling you about before we hopped on the podcast is uh 33 unit. I'm wholesaling my, uh, my sales guy found it on a Facebook marketplace uh, for rent. So he was calling Facebook marketplace for rent and people were answering and he was letting him know he was acting first as like a tenant and then mm -hmm. he would switch it over into, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to be interested in this one, but um, we are looking to purchase apartments and uh, you know, th this is the property exact types of properties we buy. And, you know, this is a property we'd love to have in our portfolio. And is, are you, are you the right person to be speaking to about this? Or is there any other person you can guide me to? So that's the way we got this 33 unit off market that I'm wholesaling. Um, so, I mean, that's one way Facebook marketplace for rents. You, you'll be surprised at how many owners actually pick up the phone. If not a property manager, that would be more than glad to give you the owner's number or pass along a message or something, right? So Facebook marketplace, I also skip trace uh, owners and call them. Mm. So, um, you know, you have to kind of go a little bit deeper into, cause I mean, apartments are owned by companies. And so those companies, you know, have owners and sometimes they're companies. So you have to keep going and going and going and finding the actual true, true, true owners. Then you skip trace them and then you cold call them. So, um, you know, that's kind of the system that we have going on right now. 
But uh, me and my partner also send postcards. We also send automated texts. Mm. Um, so we do all kinds of stuff. We do it all. There's no special one that works. There's no, there's no magic postcard letter that works. It's just you got to do a lot of it and you got to do it all. Yeah. It's all in the follow-up, I feel like, too. Yeah. <laughs> like you're getting a call, you talk to them, and then next week they get a letter in the mail. And they're like, what the f- This guy again? And then like two months later, you call them, and they're like, okay. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah. so it's not necessarily like focusing 100% on off-market. A lot of people feel like they're like, I got to buy CoStar. And then they're like, oh, it's $1,500. Maybe I don't want to do multifamily. I'm like, just get creative. Like, like you said, go to the, the for rents or for lease on Facebook Marketplace, something as simple as that. That most people, which actually I just learned that I never even would have thought of that. So like just getting creative and to hunt down deals like that goes a long way. What are some of the biggest objections that you've been getting recently though? So, I mean, the thing is that a lot of these owners, if you, if you approach them as trying, like we're talking about it, I think on the zoom, uh, on David's zoom, Mm -hmm. approach it as being a friend, right? Approach it as being a friend and and be educated right and and if you're if you're educated enough in what you're talking about more than likely these owners are going to want to talk to you because they're they're investors as well they 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 invest in real estate and they know the language and sometimes a lot of these people like to talk real estate so very very few objections but the ones is like no i don't have a lot of time right now you know or uh you know no it's not for sale where where did i where did i post it i don't remember posting it anywhere it's not for sale what makes you think i want to sell um, and you know, a couple others, but I just, you know, I say, I, I understand, you know, like I, I understand I'm with them, right. I'm, I'm sitting with them on that side of the table. I'm not sitting with them across the table. It's the kind of mentality that I have, but, uh, I just, I say, you know, like, I know you're not interested in selling right now. I also have property that I am not interested in selling in that market. And, um, you know, they're cash flowing, they're cash flowing. They're doing, they're doing great. You know, all of my investors are getting great returns. So yeah, I'm not looking to sell right now, but if someone comes in and gives me a good offer, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be open and willing to you know, check it out, right? And not only that, but I wanna know who is legit in this market because when it comes time to sell, because I'm not planning on holding this property forever, right? But when it, when it comes time to sell, I wanna know who's legit. I wanna know who's legit in the marketplace. So, you know, Mr. Owner, I know, I know you're not ready to sell right now, but I, is it okay if I send you some information about my company, how we purchase properties, what we do in the communities, mm. and, and how we renovate our properties so you can just get familiar with us. Get familiar with us and, and, and know that we're power players here in the market. I'm not a broker. I'm not an agent. I'm a direct buyer. You don't have to you know, work with any brokers, pay commissions. I buy it myself, and I want you to know that I'm legit. You know, Is there an email that you have that I can send you some more information about our company? And then I read it out loud to them too, because sometimes they talk a little bit fast and I want to make sure that I get the right email. Um, and then I ask, is this a good contact number to reach you at? And, and then I save it in my database, in my CRM. And now I have his owner, his name and his number and his email. So, I mean, it's just one of those things that you got to stretch the lead. I call it stretching the lead. If they say no, mm. you know, stretch it, stretch it, stretch it. An email. Can I, look, I know, I know you don't have a lot of time right now. Can I send you an email with five or 10 questions that I need answered in order for me to send an LOI. Just five questions, just five questions. And hey, do you pay water? What are the rents? I mean, the most important five questions to be able to send an offer and I mail it and I email it. So stretch the lead. If they say no, try to go more, try to go more, try to go more, try to go more until they hang up the phone on you. Like, (laughs) 
know? So, I mean, that's the kind of approach that I have. And I think that's what works now. You got to be aggressive, man. And it's mm-hmm. free. Cold calling is free. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's actually, that's really, really strong. Cause even if you send an LOI over and they may not agree to it, that's fine. You're still in front of them anyways. And you still sent over all that information and maybe five, six years from now, the, the owner's like, you know what? I want to sell. But instead of just saying, I want to sell, he goes, Oh, wait, I remember this one guy that wants to buy. So necessarily he doesn't really have to use a broker or do anything like you were mentioning. He just like, Hey, Adrian, uh, you still like buying apartments? You're like, hell yeah. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I want to, I've always been curious about this. I don't do, or I, I know I should do any mailers or anything like that. How does your mailing process work? Yeah. So, uh, so we, I was kind of, I was going to tell you this when you were mentioning CoStar, what people say like, Hey, well, I don't have CoStar or it's too expensive. So what we did is we created a master list. So hmm. th- there's, there's a bunch of list providers out there that, uh, you know, some of them have the same address, right? So, you know, what we did is we created a master list for San Antonio, master list for Austin, master list for Dallas, master list for all those major markets here. And I mean, we don't need to be buying any more lists. Like, and we, we used, we used list sources lists. We used, we did cross-reference CoStar as well, but I mean, I didn't do it. I, we just got CoStar. I've, I've done so many deals without CoStar. So what I would do is cross-reference a bunch of list providers and then have a main master list for every city. And then that, that master list gets mined and skip traced. And then I start sending those postcards to all the owners in there. So um, we, we send the postcards. We don't even do it ourselves. Uh, my partner still does. He likes to handwrite them, but uh, whatever. <laughs> so um, we do like the quick to mail uh, type drop, drop mail. So um, we upload a list and it gets sent out. Very simple message. Hi, my name's Adrian. I'm a multifamily real estate investor in San Antonio, Texas. And I'm looking to add more properties to my portfolio. I noticed that you own a property on 123 Main Street. Um, if you've ever had any interest in selling before, please call or text me. Very simple postcard, 100% open ratio because it's a, it's a postcard. Right? Yeah. So um, very simple message and please call or text. So sometimes people like to text. Um, and that's my message, man. They call, they call a call rail number. It's recorded. Um, and then it gets uploaded into the CRM and I mean, you go in there and you put the lead status, what, whatever's next to do. Um, and then it tracks it, it tracks the campaign. Cause I have different numbers for different postcard campaigns, mm. be able to see which one works best. So yeah, basically, uh, AB testing them basically see the yeah. best response. Yeah. Um, so now, cause like, you have the experience and you've done the deals and everything. What happens though, for people that are doing all these things, but have no track record? How do they lock down their first deal? Sure. So what I would do is leverage, right? So leverage, if you're going to these multifamily meetups or, you know, join a group like the real estate lab or join, I mean, join some sort of credible real estate group where you can, you know, ask someone like, like yourself, like, right? Like you, like me, you know, someone starting off saying, Hey, Adrian, is it okay that, you know, I I use you as a, as a, as my potential partner in the case that I need to leverage somebody or somebody else's track record. And dude, I wouldn't say no. I mean, it's very easy for, for you to go out there and leverage. Another thing is um, using somebody else's like offering memorandum and, and showing, you know, maybe potential investors um, or even, you know, brokers or owners that these are the types of properties you buy. Right. And um, you know, th- this is the exact type of property I'm looking for right now. 
And this is the, the returns that we try to target. This is this, this is that, and leverage somebody else's OM. And that way, whenever you get your first deal under contract, you can say, you can tell those investors, um, you know, that, Hey, the, remember that deal that I showed you? This is, I got one right now. This is exactly the type of deal that we were, that we're buying that we talked about. And you said you were interested. Let's go wire the money, you know? So something like that, or if, if it's an owner, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's also leveraged because then I could pull up your website or, you know, something else, another OM with, you know, maybe my picture on it and leverage that, but leverage, leverage, leverage is, I guess is the answer to that question, man. Leverage. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then it's kind of, I'm not going to say double-edged sword, but when people are making these cold calls, trying to get deals under contract and everything, and then they do, and they're like, oh shit, I haven't raised any money. I don't wait. Or they do start worrying. The farther they more they learn, they're like, I should probably start getting investors and probably have a little bit raised going into the first deal. How many of those conversations you have with owners are now investors with you? Uh, a couple actually. Yeah. A couple, yeah. A couple owners did invest in uh one of the investors recently put like $300,000 on my deal on my 88 unit. So, I mean, it was an owner. It was an owner that I got that he trusted me. And what, what happened was that he saw like, he's an older, he's an older dude. And he hmm. saw um, that he saw himself in me. He saw himself in me and he, he, uh, he's kind of living vicariously through me. <laughs> so he wants to stay involved in kind of my success and my, my, uh, my career in real estate. So yeah, you guys, I mean, I've never really had, now that you're saying that, I've never really had an owner say like, oh, well, how many deals have you done? You know, like just, it's very rare that they ask that, but uh, it's because of my confidence. You guys just have to have confidence when mm -hmm. you're talking. Don't be nervous. Like it's just another person, you know? Yeah. And, and, and what, the minute you start getting a little nervous or losing your train of thought or not sure, that's when they'll ask you, look, are you wasting my time? How many properties do you own? I think that's when those questions arise. But if you're confident, I don't, I don't see those questions being asked very much. Yeah. Not even worried about it. If you know what you're talking about. Yeah. Like, and yeah. either way, even if they do doubt it for a second, they're like, still knows what he's talking about. I'm not too worried about it. Like, yeah. and, um, and, and role play practice, practice in the mirror, practice with a buddy, practice with your mom, practice with someone practice. Just practice. Oh yeah. Yeah. The worst thing, like the mirror thing I, I'm confident with the worst thing ever record yourself on your phone and then watch the video because watching yourself afterwards rather than in the mirror, you're like, holy shit, I got a lot of things I got to change here. <laughs> like, yep. and, and even the way you present yourself, like tonality too, bro. You've got to have a, 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 a tonality. It can't be just dead. Don't, don't <laughs> sit down making cold calls. Like it, it's, it doesn't work that way. You got to walk around. I'm pacing back and forth, bro. I'm pacing through a room. I'm, I'm I mean, it's, it's, you got to have energy it, yeah. and, it, and it rubs off. It rubs off. Yeah. And I noticed a second ago, you were talking about, uh, successes like that, uh, owner investor that seen himself in you, in you and success and everything. What is your, I guess I'm just gonna say definition of success because everyone's is different. So. Sure. I think, uh, you know, if I could answer that maybe within one word, it's freedom, mm. freedom, just freedom, right? Be able to do, you know, anything you want. And, and, um, if, if you are always chasing money, it's not, you're not going to achieve it. You have to find something that uh, is beyond money. Right. And, and, and I, I mean, I think that's where, that's where I had that paradigm shift about three, three and a half years ago, because I was always just, you know, trying to make more money, make more money, make more money. And it just never, I never kind of went to that next level. Um, but, you know, I think it's freedom 
being able to do, you know, whatever I want with whoever I want, wherever I want, at whatever time I want, um, anywhere. I mean, seriously, like that's freedom for me. And I see money as freedom coupons. Um, and I think that is really my definition of success and making an impact on a large scale, um, a positive impact in other people's lives. So that's, that's my definition of success. Yeah. And following that, uh, it's, for example, on your Instagram, it says, I think live life by design or life by design or something. So what's like your life quote or your, your motto that you live by? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, also a uh, huge Napoleon Hill fan, whatever mm -hmm. the mind can conceive and believe the mind can achieve. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the quote that I really live by every single day. You know, the, the only limitations are those that we put upon ourselves. And if you really truly believe that you can do anything mm -hmm. and there's no limits, the minute you put a limit on yourself, it's, it's not going to work. So, uh, definitely, you know, the, the, those that, that, uh, the limits that we put upon ourselves are the only the ones that we put upon ourselves, I guess. Is, yeah. Is I think manifesting goes a long ways to people rather than saying, Oh, or like dreaming about owning just materialistic item. I know dreaming about like a Lamborghini or something. If you like literally vision yourself in that Lamborghini and then you think what I have to do to get there, it can make it a reality and it can happen a lot faster than most people realize it actually can't like yeah. obviously not Lamborghini, but you could dream about having a thousand unit or a purchase a thousand unit deal or portfolio or something. If you vision yourself there touring that big deal, all the process and steps required to get there, it could be like eight months from now. I'd be like, Holy shit, I'm here already. Like you just got to vision it and make it, make it happen. Like, yeah, it has to be constantly playing. I have a TV here and it's playing a wealth visionary Ferraris driving around boats, yachts. I mean, it's, it's constantly playing. I wake up and I play it and it's on. Mm -hmm. It's just constantly playing. I can seriously like smell the water. I can smell the new scent of the Lamborghini because it's not just like it's, it doesn't work just by thinking about it. It doesn't mm -hmm. you have to be able to put yourself in there without like, it's just the, the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between the, you know, what's real, and what's fake. Yeah. So if you're able to trick the subconscious to, to make you believe that you can get it because that's another thing you can, you can wish a thousand, a thousand unit property in the next six months. But if you don't truly, truly, truly believe, mm -hmm. it's not gonna, it's not gonna come. Yeah, the law of attraction is not gonna come into your life. It's not gonna work because you have to believe it, you know. And and so once you start believing in it, and you start, you know, constantly looking at it, and constantly looking at your goals, your vision boards, you'll see that the law of attraction will start putting people, circumstances, and events into your life that will let you achieve those desires. And yeah. you just have to be ready. You have to be that person that's ready to receive. Yeah. Absolutely. I could talk about the motivational stuff all day and I got a little off topic here. Um, I'm curious about this because uh, you do syndicate deals, right? Or at least you have. Okay. Yeah, we own some uh, multifamily right now that we syndicated. Okay. So they never really cover, like I've joined in on investor calls to see how other syndicators are running their webinar and presenting deals to their investors. How's that process for you? Sure. So uh, we definitely put a, we put the OM together, right? Uh, I actually put this one together on the 88 unit. It took me like three days, full days. It was uh, such a headache, but it's about 45 pages kind of, you know, goes, goes in deep on everything, the market, um, you know, the, the opportunity, the return. So we basically go over that OM on our webinars, uh, but we go into like a whole MLM type invite, right? I mean, Hey, webinar at, you know, eight o'clock on January 26th. And we start like pitching it to everybody, you know, a couple months before, a month before, 
Um, that way we can get a lot of people on the call, but it's recorded anyways. So, um, you know, we, we, and we go through the, through the whole webinar. We go through, you know, the whole team, the KPs, everyone makes an introduction and, um, you know, we go into Q and A at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, all my investors really didn't come from the webinar. I, it, they came from, you know, a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So the webinar is just that fluff, uh, you know, at the end, but I mean, then again, you know, still some investors came from the webinar, but I think it's very important to have one for sure. Um, you just got to invite a lot of people and get it, get it there, you know, get them in there, but we go over the OM. Yeah, that's interesting. I was going to ask you the conversion rate on webinar versus not because a lot of times if you have these built relationships with investors anyways, I mean, obviously it's nice. They want to see you go over the deal and they do still need that information. But sure. a sure. lot of times you have these relationship relationships built that, I mean, when they already kind of like, they would like you, they know you're doing deals. You got the track record and everything. So they're going to probably invest either way, but obviously the number, it comes down to the numbers at the end of the day, but that's pretty interesting to hear. Yeah. I mean, the conversion rate, uh, Matt, I mean, it, it's, it's not the, as high as doing a more intimate one-on-one -on -one with someone. Um, I think, I mean, I guess in my experience, but it's still something that you have to do. Like it's, it's like, just because, you know, postcards get a 1%, you know, rate return um, and cold calling makes 10, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop doing postcards, right? So I want to keep all avenues going to try to raise as much money as I can. So definitely, and they appreciate it. You know, even if the investors don't get on that webinar, they appreciate that you took the time to do an hour and a half presentation mm. um, and send them the recording. That way they have it, you know, in case they ever want to, you know, listen to it in the future. But, um, you know, I think it's, all, it's also good practice. It's also good practice for those that, you know, are just kind of starting off. I think it's, it's very good practice for you to do a webinar um, because you're pitching yourself. You're selling, you know, mm -hmm. so you're selling yourself. And, you know, investors really appreciate that. Yeah. How many? So I've had two answers when I asked this in the past. How many friends and family are investors or have you had that conversation with any friends or family? Cause some people are like, I do it. I don't even want the stress of having friends or family money into any of the deals. If something happens and other people are like, Oh, I raised like $500,000 from friends and family. Like what's your thoughts on that? So my first deal, my first 16 unit that we syndicated, uh, we raised about 180,000 and the entire amount was friends and family. Oh, because it was my first deal. You know, yeah. I mean, I couldn't, it was hard to go up to somebody and, um, pitch them that, right? Because, because it's just, it's my first deal, right? They ask you how many deals have you done? None, right? So mm. then uh, the 32 unit we, we syndicated raised about 350,000. Um, that one was like 90% friends and family. There was about 10% just, you know, the people that we met through a, through a meetup that we were hosting uh, in San Antonio. So some investors came from there. And then this 88 unit uh, or the nine unit actually was from friends and family as well that we raised the money, we bought it on our finance. Um, so that's 57 and then the 88 unit, um, that one is definitely, you know, less, way less friends and family. Yeah. Have you ever thought about, and I'm just being nosy, um, like you went to school for obviously the business and everything you do. Are you in touch with anyone that graduated with you that owns businesses? Have you ever thought about reaching out to them? Like, Hey, you want to invest? Like, I, I <laughs> haven't, no, I haven't, uh, reached out to them. No. And, and the thing is, that I have so many people that are not in my database that are mm. on my cell phone. So I need to like one of these days go through like all my contacts. I have, I don't know what 4,000 contacts on my phone. So I need to go through all of them and like put them into a, you know, CRM and to add them to potential passive investors, send them the, you know, 
the subscription, like the, the questionnaire to be able to qualify them as sophisticated investors. Uh, but one thing that I did what was looking for and I do plan on doing 2021 is joining the alumni association. So I want to join the alumni association mm. to be able to connect with all the people in there. I mean, they have so much money in there. There's, there's a room of millions. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's also a great thing that uh, I, I heard on another podcast that I want to implement this new year. Yeah. Are you in any of like your city groups, anything like the local chamber of commerce, anything like that or? Yeah. So, uh, we, me and my, my, actually my partner is in San Antonio. He's part of the San Antonio apartment association. Mm. Uh, and I'm also a member in their, um, chamber of commerce as well in San Antonio. I'm looking to join the one here in, in the Rio Grande Valley in McAllen. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah, we, we are part of a couple of those. I, I honestly need to step up my game to join some more. Um, but you know, that's on the, that's on the list of to do's. Yeah. For the yeah. COVID doesn't help either. <laughs> <laughs> can't really get out there in person right now. Um, so you're obviously you have some target markets in Texas, obviously you live in Texas. So it does make sense that you're familiar with those markets. Are there any other States that you've done your market research in and you plan on investing in or no, man? No. I mean, I think one thing about me is, um, in, maybe six months ago, we were getting so many leads, so many mm-hmm. leads from all over Texas. Um, and it was just not, it was very hard to tackle them all. Um, because they were kind of all over the place. So I kind of went right now I'm refining back down into building the system from just one little city. Mm. So, so I want to, I want to be able to perfect the system, at least 99% perfect the system in one little city before I start going everywhere else, because then I'm I mean, things are going to fall through the cracks. I mean, we're going to burn our, you know, burn our brand because we're going to supposed to send, we're supposed to send an offer and, you know, the offer didn't get sent within 24 hours. So, I mean, a lot of stuff can fall through the cracks if you don't have the system down from, you know, the very, very beginning. And that was a mistake I made, but now I'm refining the, every, the whole CRM and the workflows, the automation, the drips, everything to be able to work perfectly in a small scale. That way I can scale very quick. So no, I don't go outside of Texas. I think there's plenty of deals to do like in Texas, in my own backyard. And I think that's where people kind of spread themselves a little too thin and try to go to other markets. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of stuff to do in your immediate market, in your immediate you know, city. I think yeah. uh, a great way to start. Absolutely master your market. Like even yeah. if you've lived there, if you could know the name of every road, but you could still not know the market. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and the, thing, the thing with that too, I, I hear my mentor's voice in single family, you know, we would target zip codes. So, so we were only marketing in certain zip codes. So whenever the owner would say, yeah, I want to sell, you know, then you, knew, you would ask how many beds, how many baths, how many square feet. I already know the ARV, I already know the rent because I'm, I'm very focused on that particular zip code. Right. So mm-hmm. same thing with an owner, you know, on a multifamily deal, if they say, Hey, you know, my rents are, are 600 bucks on a two, two, you know, and I have a three, two at six fifty. You already know that you could push those to like seven eighty five, eight fifty. I mean, because you know the market. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a different, it's a different, you have a slight edge, I guess, when, when you, when you study and you market to specific places that you know, because you can just, I mean, know the value of the property, right? Quicker. But um, I mean, that's just my opinion. I, I've seen success from a lot of people investing in other markets in other states. Um, but I think for me, I just want to stay focused right now. Yeah. And your, um, what was it called? Homely, uh, the short-term rental thing? Is that Airbnb, like arbitrage, that thing? Like, or- Yeah, it's, uh, it's a short-term rental. It's Airbnb. So uh, me and my business partner, my other business partner, we, um, we rent an apartment from my apartment complex. 
Um, and we pay, you know, 600 bucks in rent and it generates about $1,400 a month. So, uh, I mean, we take about 250 each, 300 a month each, and we have six Airbnbs, five Airbnbs. Mm. We have a and six. Okay. That you answered my next question. I was wondering if you did that on any of your own apartments. What does that look like on the T12 when someone goes to buy it next and the average rent is like 800 and then there's like two, three units of 1400? Like, well, they don't see the 1400. They see the 600 that I'm paying in rent. That's smart. <laughs> Cause you're still getting it. Okay. Yeah. I'm paying rent. So that's and funny because you have like below the line items like CapEx and stuff and you almost have like above the line items. You got this extra rent coming in that you don't even need to put on there. <laughs> no, that's it's great, man. I love Airbnbs. I love the fact that, you know, I have themes. I have, um, you know, a travel theme. I have like a smart LED like light theme. So and my business partner has a Star Wars theme. So, mm. I mean, I, I like it because I like staying Airbnbs. I don't even choose hotels anymore. And I, I like creating those spaces for people. That's kind of, you know, another one of my passions. So Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to get too off the multifamily topic, but I know a lot of the cities are putting in like restrictions or even banning short-term rentals. Like, is there any issues in Texas or no? Uh, in, in San Antonio, we did have one at one point for a year and a half. There was, there's definitely some ordinances um, and some taxes that you got to pay. But I mean, nothing to tell me that I can't do it anymore. Um, I, I know that there's like some rule or you know, ordinance that you can't like have more than a certain percentage of Airbnbs on a certain, on like a street or something like that. You can't have like too many in a street or in, in like a neighborhood. Yeah. You have yeah, to kind of like be spread out and you have to pay taxes and you've got to do an inspection. You have to have, you know, smoke detectors, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. But it's definitely not something that can stop me from doing it. Yeah. All right. I don't want to, I'm getting off topic of the multifamily thing. I was just interested in that and I figured it wouldn't hurt for the listeners to know. And if they ever have any questions, they know who to reach out to now anyway. So, um, let's see your, so the multifamily side, how do you, so I use syndication pro for the back end to keep in touch with all my investors and everything. What systems are you using for investor relations? So for my first, my, my current portfolio right now, we don't use uh, we didn't use any sort of investor login. It's just every month we send them a month a monthly update, mm-hmm. um, and every month also they get um, well they get the update they get the emails they get the pictures what we're doing the progress update. Um, but no, we don't have that. But on the eighty eight unit, we did uh, when we were when we first got it under contract, we did Syndication Pro. We created an account. Um, it was just not something that I'm very familiar with. So, um, didn't work out, but we are going to be using the app folio investor. Mm. So we will be right now we're using Buildium for our portfolio. Um, and we're going to be transitioning into app folio for property management and the investor portal as well is going to go live in January. Okay. Awesome. And then your management side. So two ten management right now, do you, those are, it's probably management for your deals for the time being, do you plan on expanding in the future? Yeah, but uh, we will only manage our own deals. Okay. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. Might yeah. as well leverage it. And yeah. uh, that's interesting. So what are like the costs associated with that? Cause obviously you're not now paying a property manager anywhere from five to 10% and you know, hundred unit deal that could easily be like 40, $50,000 a year on top of everything. So it, you, it obviously is more cost efficient to do everything yourself. But 
at what point, which I'm sure you have a team, so it wouldn't matter, is the time versus cost, you know, leverage there? So what, what we, what we, the reason we got forced into starting our property management company. Oh. Um, yeah. So we hired a property management company here locally, um, 8%, we we're paying them 8%, but they were super slow. Um, super, I mean, you know, there was a time where there was like four units vacant and I mean, there was no was four units out of 16 units. So, I mean, you could kind of do the math yeah. there. Um, and I just caught myself having to come down from San Antonio a lot, four hour drive to just, you know, maintain operations here because again, you know, I, I wasn't making excuses. I was not blaming the property management company. The only person I'm going to blame is myself. So, you know, I have an obligation and a duty to my investors to maximize the value of a property. And if, if, it, if there's four units vacant, I'm not, I'm not fulfilling my duty. Right. Mm -hmm. So I caught myself a lot having to drive down rent units do maintenance. I mean, I was painting, I was replacing doorknobs. I mean, I, I wasn't scared to do any of that stuff. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we ended up saying like, you know what, this is not working out. And also, uh, Matt, it, it's, it's tough to find a property management company here, especially in the tertiary market that knows repositioning that, mm. that can, can deal with a property that's being completely repositioned. You know, they, what they're good at is collecting rent, answering calls, you know, sending vendors out. That's, that's, that's a property management company. You know, I know there's other bigger ones that I, you know, highly respect, but this one didn't work out. We fired them, we hired another one. They were cheaper, 6%, still slow, still not leasing units. And it was just like, you know what? My, my business partner was in, I don't know, India or somewhere. And I say, hey man, I'm going to fire these guys and I'm going to do it myself. He's like, dude, go ahead. You're there. You know what you're doing. And so fired them. And that's when 210 management was born. Hmm. Um, and ever since then, dude, we've been over 95% occupied. We lease up units, you know, tur quick turnaround one day, they're ready, they're leased, they're pre-leased. I mean, we have just so much more control of, of, of everything. And yeah. we don't have to wait for the property management company to send us a report every week or every two weeks. We see it daily. So uh, you know, we monitor budgets. If, if we have a budget of $600 on our 16 unit and it's going a little bit closer, we can, we can see that early on and say, Hey, stop, stop operations, stop, you know, let's, let's, let's wait for the next month to do anything minor. Um, and I think it's just more control. It's not really a, pro a profit. It's not, it's not a profit based company. Cause I mean, we have, we have, we have to pay at folio. We have mm. to pay, you know, call rail, CRMs, everything, everything we have to pay for. So it, it's just, it's not really a big profit. It's more of just the control to be able to uh, maximize the value of the properties. Yeah. And would you be okay with talking about on here, your, it was in, David mentioned in his call the other day, your extreme level of house hacking that is happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, you're talking about the management stuff and there's usually leasing offices, but you're living in. One or two of the apartments and going back and forth to make sure everything's getting done like it's supposed to, right? Yeah, I'm here right now in one in a, in a unit right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm living in a unit, um, and you know, I can look out the window and see anything you know going wrong. I mean, I have access to everything, and and people know here not to knock on my door. I, I'm not. This is not an office that you can just come in here and no. Mm. Like it's 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 more of you know my home base, my you know my little headquarters here. Um, and I can see eyes on all the property, but it, I'm in the 16 unit, uh, apartment complex that we first bought, but it's actually being sold right now. Um, I, we bought it for 500. It's, uh, being sold for 900 actually. Nice. So there's a good, uh, little profit there, but, um, I'm here, I'm local and 
I mean, I, it's just, I, like I was saying earlier, I have an obligation to my investors. I have a duty to my investors. And, you know, I think by me being here really allows uh, me to see everything and run everything, but I yeah. love it. I love it. Like I, I'm not going to cry about it. I mean, I'm here, I'm here right now and I'm doing, you know, I'm doing deals still. Mm -hmm. I think I just get first dibs on everything. I know David, David uh, lived in his 96 unit and he ran all his operations in his 96 units. So, I mean, it's just yeah. like, like whatever it takes, bro. Like, yeah. Whatever it takes. Yeah. That's awesome. Cause usually you hear about people like, will ask about house hacking stuff and it's usually like a tri or quadplex or something. And then you got like the big, like you, you like you dude, I'm in a 16 unit and David's in a 96 or whatever it was. And it's just so funny. It's good, but it's like, that's like pure dedication right there. Like that proves a point that like, you're not just in this for like, I'm not even saying the money, but you're like all in like, which is awesome. But uh, you can't half ass shit. No, it, you can't. it's, it's either you're all in or all out. Like half assing shit is not going to, is not going to get you to where you want to go. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's awesome. So when you send out your reports to your, investors i mean you're on top of it you know what's going on you don't have a regional manager from the property management coming out maybe two three months just kind of driving by okay great stuff's getting done you're like i know it's getting done because i did half of it and this is what's happening and i put this tenant in this unit for this much like you're on top of everything that's really cool actually we just hired a, a property management like assistant full-time so yeah. now i'm kind of like i told you before, like earlier on the call now it's a different set of activities that i do on the daily uh-huh because she's she's now handling the tenant calls, the vendors, the you know W9s when you filled out liability forms. I mean everything, everything, everything. She's handling all the data administration stuff. So now I'm you know more you know negotiating, finding deals, working with investors, you know building these CRM systems mm -hmm. out. So I'm doing a lot less property management stuff, but I'm still here. You know, like I'm still yeah. here. so. Um, it's cool. It's cool stuff. But, uh, you know, I plan on probably moving out somewhere else and not living in the unit very, long, very much longer. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, you got to do whatever it takes. So yeah, well, you can't really be in there much longer. You're kicking yourself out since you're selling anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, man, that's actually really cool. So basically you basically throughout this whole podcast broke down that there's literally no excuses. Like you don't need to start off with CoStar. You can get creative, find off-market deals, send out the mailers, make the calls and make shit happen, even without the track record to get to where you need to be today or where you want to be in the future. Like there's literally no excuses and you're basically a proving a point to exactly that. Because I hear a lot, there's a lot of excuses out there. So many, bro. And I'm like, dude, hey, I'm just going to send them this podcast. Like watch this with Adrian and shut up. Like <laughs> there's no reason. You either make excuses or you make money. You can't yeah. do both. Yeah. You can do both. And, and, and I mean, I think, you know, people need to be called out on that because it's like, dude, don't make excuses. Like it's, you're not going to know what to say in the first few phone calls when you cold call. Like you're not, there's not something know. perfect. There's no script that is perfect. You're just going to have to call a hundred times because after you make a hundred phone calls, you're going to be a different person. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a different person. So your goal is to get through a hundred calls, like mess them all up. I don't care, but you're going to be a different person after those hundred calls. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean the excuses, bro, there's so many of them, but I just tell them, look, just say you don't want to do it. Just say you don't want to, you just say you don't want to buy an apartment complex. Like seriously, like excuses don't make sense. They don't make money. Yeah. So just say you don't want to buy an apartment complex. Yeah. It's that simple. If yeah. you want to buy it, don't make excuses. Like, yeah, seriously. And the cold calling thing is hilarious. So like I'm a licensed real estate agent as well. And I do still do residential sales. And of course, 
we had to do a lot of cold calling. And when I first started it, it's funny because it's like people were like, literally people were like, fuck off, I don't want to sell my house. Like they were literally yelling at you. I'm like, I don't know what happened to them, but they're screaming at you through the phone and you can either get discouraged or dude, I just start die laughing. I'm like, I cannot believe that just happened. Let's go to the next one. I'm almost like, let's see if that happens again. If not, I'm still getting a listing or something. Like it's actually kind of fun to go through the challenges of like and obligations and stuff when calling. And uh, thankfully, I'm able to take, it's completely different conversations in multifamily, but at least take the, the lack of discouragement that I had when I first started as agent to, to now. And like, same thing. I remember when I first made my first few multifamily cold calls, I'm like, dude, I've screwed them up so bad. I'm like, like, I'm like, actually, I don't want this guy to remember who I am because I just fucked that up so bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it's fun. It's all part of the process. You literally have to do it to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, when my callers, cause I have a, a few callers that call for me, mm-hmm. I tell them like, dude, you're going to fail. Like you're, you're going to fuck up the call. Yeah. <laughs> you are. I'm not telling, you're not going to be a professional. Like you're going to mess up the call. I'm not going to, you know, sell you, you know, pretty cars and diamonds. I'm telling you the truth. You're going to, you're going to pick up the phone and you're just going to forget everything you're going to say. Like, yeah. It's going to happen. You know, like it's going to happen. And I think what helped me to be able to overcome objections is when I got started in real estate, I was door knocking on pre foreclosures. Mm-hmm. So the people were already super mad. They, they probably already had 10 door knockers already go before me. And I, I had to find a way to get through the door, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think, you know, when you put yourself in a position of, you know, sink or swim, it, that's when you start learning really how to overcome objections and, and stretching the lead, stretching the lead, mm-hmm. you know? That, that concept I was telling you about earlier. And if they, you know, answer the phone and like start cussing you out and stuff, hey, you know it's them, you know it's their number. Right? So <laughs> yeah. put it in the CRM, that's their phone number, right? That's them. And yeah. I think having data is important. Data, yeah. the money, it, the money's made in the data. Yeah, the data. absolutely. And it's funny, I've always, on the, you always have to remember that there's someone on the other side that's a human. Like, it's no different if you run into someone at Meyer and you have a conversation with them. You're not going to be talking to them in their face and forget what you said and go, oh, fuck, and run away or hang up. Like, <laughs> like but it's the same thing. Like, when someone answers the phone, they don't have a script for answering the phone. You're calling apartment owners. They don't have, like, a, well, a script. What happens when someone calls me to buy my property script? Like, it's all just genuine conversation. Like, and if they um, hang up, I, I call them back and say, hey, sorry, did we get disconnected? Like, and then they're like, uh. <laughs> Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just, you got you got to attack, man. You know, I think uh, my my goals and dreams aren't going to come easy for me. So I, you know, I I just want to put in that work now to be able to you know live it up when I'm you know in my thirties. Yeah, I think right now is the time to put in the work, grind. You know, stop making excuses. Leverage other people. Leverage other deals. Leverage everything, everything until you have your own track record. Yeah, and then once you have your track record, then you just ten x everything. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. And we are coming up on an hour. So why don't we actually close out on some of your goals and where you plan on being? I, I know you're never going to stop. So you can have a goal now and you're going to pass it anyways. But what are some of your kind of like your dreams and aspirations? Sure. I, uh, I mean, real estate goals. I want to raise about $10 million next year, um, you know, in the next 12, 12 months. Um, you know, we want to pick up another 250 units. Um, in, you know, six to 12 months, we want to, um, you know, start like a mastermind group. We want to, uh, you know, travel. I want to definitely hit all the wonders of the world right now. I think I need five, four more, four more wonders. Um, and want to do that. want to scuba dive in some of the most tropical locations in the world. 
um, you know, and just, you know, impact people, right? I mean, I think uh, it's, it's very interesting, very unique, this, this, this model of repositioning and, and investing in, in multifamily real estate, because, you know, on this 88 unit, it's, it looks like, it looks like trash a little bit, it needs a lot of TLC. And so we're going to go in there and, and revitalize the whole community, make it safer, make it, you know, way, way more appealing for the people who are living there and they like it. People come up to me and say, wow, I love what you're doing. Like, I feel so much safer. So I'm, I'm, I'm providing a positive experience for my residents. I'm providing a positive experience for my investors because they're making above average returns. They're making great returns. They're all getting, you know, depreciation. They're, ca they're capitalizing on the tax advantages of investing in apartments. Mm -hmm. And me and my business partner are making money. Everybody's making money, you know? And, and I think when you're able to structure win-win situations, I think that's when you truly reach, I mean, a level that, um, you know, really is, is freedom and, it, and it's, and it's, it's, it's motivating. It's very motivating. Yeah. Um, but you know, I want, I love traveling. I want to travel and, uh, impact people. So I want to start like a philanthropy event as well. And that's uh, awesome. Back. Yeah, that's awesome. And you gotta, it's, and you just basically mentioned it too. Like it's not just one deal that you're working on and changing, you're changing 88 people's lives by fixing up like it's just obviously i mean it could be considered just an apartment complex but there's 88 people with roofs over their heads right now and you're making them feel way better about where they're living and everything and changing almost the way of life for them as well and that goes a long ways like when people say if they have a thousand unit portfolio or whatever i mean technically they've changed a thousand lives you may not even realize it you're like oh i helped my investors and we made x amount of money did this i'm like it also helped a lot of people at the same time though like and the community. It makes a huge difference with one apartment complex can do in a community. Like it's crazy. And it goes a long ways. And I think sometimes it's really overlooked too. hundred percent. hundred percent. But awesome. Adrian, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. I know you're a busy guy. You probably seems to get off here. You probably got to catch up now. Yeah, um, a little bit. <laughs> is there anything you want to close out on or say, or, I mean, really guys don't make excuses, you know, grind it out work, work like, like a freak, work like an animal. I mean, seriously, like it make, make more calls, make more, you know, send more texts, send more emails. I mean, just really 10 X everything, make your master list, make your master list in any market that you're trying to you know, attack and just go one by one, one by one, one by one, one by one, figure out where they live, go door knock on their door. I mean, seriously, I've done that before, like whatever it takes, just 10 X everything, stop making excuses and you know f figure out your why because that's what's going to get you through you know all the objections yeah absolutely adrian i appreciate you being on the podcast today thanks matt appreciate it. thanks awesome. for the invite yep and for those watching on wherever uh, i'll pop up his instagram information right on the screen right now and for those listening it'll be in the description go check them out it is instagram stories are fun to watch it almost makes you feel like you're doing the deal but you're really not you're like oh shit now i gotta go do something but <laughs> but it's awesome so Thank you again, Adrian. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for the invite. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Open Door Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Barnett Capital, where every Monday, we will be opening the doors to the minds of those who own multiple doors. You can find all past and future podcasts at barnettcapitalco.com forward slash podcast or facebook.com forward slash barnett capital co thanks for listening <laughs>